Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 114 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading Matthew chapter 14 today, and our focus is on Jesus. Yeah, I'm not being coy. Our focus today is keeping our eyes on Jesus. So this is a daily, I don't know, 10, 12, 11 minute podcast that we fudge a little bit every now and then, where we do read one Bible chapter a day and discuss it. Our goal is to get you and others and myself involved in daily Bible reading daily Bible obeying. Our webpage is Bible2021.com. Now, some members of the church I pastor in Salinas, California, Valley Baptist, shout out to you guys. Some of our members listen to this podcast, and I'm a little afraid that they might be close to weary of hearing me talking about keeping our eyes on Jesus. I've talked about it before on this podcast, too. I talked about it on church uh, at church this past Sunday, but Honestly, like I told the church Sunday, I don't think I can talk about this enough. And today's chapter is such a great springboard to encourage both you and I to keep our eyes on Jesus. So we're going to do it. But first, let's talk a little bit about grief, not the easiest subject to tackle. When tragedy or death of a family member or friend happens to us, we honestly, we don't know what to do about it. Grieving is hard. We don't know how to act. We don't know how to cope with all of our feelings. And in Matthew 14, we see something very interesting, uh, a brief picture of Jesus facing grief. Now, we don't know exactly how close Jesus was to his relative John the Baptist. It does not appear that Jesus and John the Baptist were what we would call first cousin, but perhaps and probably they were something like second cousins. That said, they were related. They appeared to be friends and at least knew each other relationally. And it looks like the death of John the Baptist, maybe reading between the lines a little bit, might have hit Jesus pretty hard. And we sort of see that in verse 13, which says, when Jesus heard about the death of John the Baptist, he withdrew from there by boat to a remote place to be alone. So Jesus dealt with grief, at least in this instance, by withdrawing and being alone, possibly to pray. And the only reason I suggest that Jesus prayed in this moment, well, actually, there's two reasons. Number one, it has it was his habit to withdraw to lonely places like this and pray. And two, when Jesus faced the greatest grieving of his life, he also went away and prayed by himself, or at least sort of by himself, as we see in Matthew 26, 38 through 39, which says, Jesus said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. Going a little farther, he fell down and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass for me, yet not as I will, but as you will. So sometimes grief is overwhelming. It's good for us to be alone and seek the Father in prayer just like Jesus did. But I note, however, that he kept his friends close by, not totally separating himself from them. Even the Son of God did not face grief far removed from his companions. Well, let's go ahead and read our chapter, and then we're going to discuss ghosts and keeping our eyes on Jesus. Matthew chapter 14, verse 1. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the report about Jesus. This is John the Baptist, he told his servants. He has been raised from the dead, and that's why miraculous powers are at work in him. 
For Herod had arrested John, chained him, and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, since John had been telling him, It's not lawful for you to have her. Though Herod wanted to kill John, he feared the crowd since they regarded John as a prophet. When Herod's birthday celebration came, Herodias' daughter danced before them and pleased Herod. So he promised an oath to give her whatever she asked. Prompted by her mother, she answered, Give me John the Baptist's head here on a platter. Although the king regretted it, he commanded that it be granted because of his oaths and his guest. So he sent orders and had John beheaded in the prison. His head was brought on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. Then his disciples came, removed the corpse, buried it, and went and reported to Jesus. When Jesus heard about it, he withdrew from there by boat to a remote place to be alone. When the crowds heard this, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd had compassion on them and healed their sick. When evening came, the disciples approached him and said, This place is deserted and it's already late. Send the crowds away so that they can go into the villages and buy food for themselves. They don't need to go away, Jesus told them. You give them something to eat. But we only have two five loaves and two fish here, they said to him. Bring them here to me, he said. Then he commanded the crowds to sit down on on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them. He broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. Everyone ate and was satisfied. They picked up twelve baskets full of leftover pieces. Now those who ate were about five thousand men beside women and children. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. Jesus came toward them, walking on the sea very early in the morning, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, Have courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, You have little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly you are the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they came to shore at Gennesaret. When the men of that place recognized him, they alerted the whole vicinity and brought to him all who were sick. They begged him that they might only touch the end of his robe, and as many as touched it were healed. So verse 26 is pretty interesting, right? (laughs) When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. More than once, the disciples think Jesus is a ghost, and he never tells them that there's no such thing as ghosts, which is, you know, interesting. In fact, after his resurrection, he simply says that a ghost or a spirit in the Greek, as Luke 24 notes, doesn't have flesh and blood like he does. It's a very interesting answer. It doesn't mean that ghosts are real, of course, but It is kind of odd that the disciples appear to have believed in ghosts and Jesus never disabused them of that notion. Of far greater import, though, I find verse 30 of Matthew 14 to be 
one of the most profound passages in the Bible. It says, Climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Now, the Bible doesn't directly say here that Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, but it implies that by saying that Peter began to sink when he saw the strength of the wind. That's a fascinating statement. Now, the strength of Jesus created the world, utterly dwarfs the strength of the wind. But Peter momentarily forgot this and instead focused on the loudest and most obvious strength that he could see rather than the quiet, controlled, and meek but infinite power of Jesus. And taking his eyes off of Jesus and putting them onto the waves, Peter sunk. That's a terrific metaphor for us and it's Almost shocking that the gospel writers don't make a bigger deal out of the metaphorical part of this, but it does remind me of my favorite pandemic Bible verse, which we've already quoted multiple times this year on the show, Hebrews 12, 1-3, which says, Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight in the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross and despised the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God's throne. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. So friends, we're to keep our eyes on Jesus or fix our eyes on Jesus. In the Greek there, we have a pretty fascinating word that some translations translate as stare or keep or fix. And it almost takes a whole sentence in English to translate because the Greek word is made up of two words smashed together, apo and orao. Apo essentially means to separate from or turn away from. Orao means to stare at. In other words, the word is telling us here, look away from other things and stare at Jesus. Peter didn't do that. He didn't stare at Jesus and he sank. And let me assure you, friends, whether you're walking on water or just living your normal life in 2021, when we do what Peter did, eyes off of Jesus and staring at our problems and trials, we will sink too. Well, let's close with our memory verse for April, James 4, 6, but he gives greater grace Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Amen. Well, friends, may it be a blessed Saturday. Good day to you and Godspeed.